I think that the church should be the safest place in the world. I believe that people should come here and they should be comfortable um, with, with questions. They should be comfortable with thoughts that they have, with doubts. They should come and know that, that you're welcome despite, like, maybe you're, maybe you're not 100% sure about the gospel and you have questions and you want to come and learn more. We want to welcome that because we're supposed to be the most loving people. All right? So, that being said, Christians, we have questions sometimes about what we believe. I have questions sometimes when I'm reading the scripture and I'm thinking, huh, I wonder what he means by this. <laughs> so, I am super excited about this. Our next series is called Questions. And what we're going to do, what I think we're going to see is that in reality, almost all of us have the same questions. We're thinking the same things, but none of us actually want to say it because I don't want to be the one that has questions. I don't want that to be me. So this is completely 100% anonymous, these note cards. Don't write your name. Don't write your social security number. You could write your credit card number if you want. Just kidding. Don't do that. But all you're going to do is write a question that you have, something about the Bible, something about God, something about faith in politics, something about our world today, not something like, Landon, did you get a new haircut? Which I did. I did do that, but not something like that. Something like, what does the Bible have to say about divorce? What does the Bible have to say about homosexuality? What, how does my faith influence my political beliefs? You know, something along these realms. Why, does, why, do, why do bad things happen to good people? I want us to ask these questions because, A, it's good for us to come together and be honest about where we're at because we can't grow unless we're honest about where we're at. We can't, we're lying to ourselves. I, I don't have any questions. I'm fine. No, it's okay to have questions. It's okay to come in here wondering things. So on that piece of paper, you're going to write down a question that you have. Again, completely anonymous. If you don't want to write it down, I'm also going to post something on Facebook, and you can just message us. Then I'll know your name, but that's it. <clears throat> so I want you to write down a question that you have. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to tally up how many times each question was asked. Again, I really believe that a lot of the questions are going to be asked like, by multiple people because we're all wondering the same things. So what's going to happen is we're going to take four weeks, four weeks, and discuss the most common asked questions. And what I think this is going to do is build us in unity as a church because we're honest about where we're at and we want to come in like trusting each other and trusting this. And I think we're going to grow. I think we're going to grow. We're going to have some questions answered. I'm really excited about it. I want you to be honest about questions that you have. Um, yeah. I think it's going to be awesome. I'm super excited. Um, I thought I had another housekeeping thing. Oh, oh, about those questions. When you're leaving today, there's going to be a basket. Uh, just fold it up, put it in the basket. That's it. I don't know your handwriting, except for Jim. Sorry, Jim. Everyone else, I don't know your handwriting, so I won't be able to tell that you're asking it. I just want you to be honest about it because we all have questions. We all have thoughts. We all have things we're confused about. So, anyways... That being said, oh man, we are running out of time fast today. This is going to be the fastest teaching you ever heard in your life. We're gonna... If I'm talking too fast, you can just holler. Uh, I'm excited about this week. This is a, this is a very important week uh, in the armor of God. Again, we have this week. 
we have next week. <coughs> We're going to be in three passages of Scripture today, Ephesians chapter 6, Romans chapter 5, and 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Um, remember that, that this church has some, some uh, wow, I have no words today. I'm talking too much. This church has some materials that you can use to continue growing. Okay, so like when you wake up in the middle of the night and you have like thoughts of fear and thoughts of anxiety, you can go online and rewatch our, our teaching on peace. You can rewatch our teaching on the gospel of peace. So make sure you're utilizing these things uh, to continue to grow because it takes time and it takes practice. Uh, let's start in Ephesians chapter 6. We almost don't need to because we just had it saying to us. Chapter 6, verse 13, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to withstand, to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation. We're almost done with the armor. We are on the helmet of salvation. In the real, non-metaphorical, non-spiritual world, we know that your brain is important. All right? You need to have your brain. And your brain needs to be protected. If you were watching a football game and a football player walks out, he's not wearing a helmet. I give him two plays and he's done. I give him two plays and he will be concussed, he will be knocked out, or he'll be running. He'll be running to find his mom in the bleachers. It's two plays. Because you have to have your brain protected. You know how important it is to your body. So when Paul is writing that you have to wear a helmet we have to know that this is very, very important to our armor. And we have to know exactly what it means because it is the helmet of salvation. So helmets protect the brain. The brain is to your body what the mind is to your soul. I'm going to say that again. The brain is to your body what the mind is to your soul. So just as important as your brain is, to your body, your mind is as important to your soul. If your brain is not protected and something happens to you, you cannot function the way that you are supposed to. If I'm playing football, which, look at this figure, it's not happening, but if I'm playing football and I'm not wearing a helmet, I get hurt, I'm concussed, I'm something, I will not function the way that I am supposed to as a human because my brain has been damaged. In the same way, if your mind is not protected and something gets in, you will not function the way that you are supposed to as a Christian. You will not function the way that you are supposed to if your mind is not protected. The mind has to be programmed to believe and think and live a certain way. We are in the world, so we will have influences in our mind. And if we are not careful to protect our mind from those in influences, we will not function the way that we are supposed to. If your mind isn't functioning correctly, you won't function correctly. You will not function in the way that you are supposed to. 
So we know that the helmet's important, but it says that the helmet is salvation. Now, here's what's interesting about this. Paul is writing this to a church. He's writing this to a church. So they already know about salvation. This is not a new concept to them. They're not hearing about Jesus for the first time. They were living in the times, and they already knew all of this. So Paul has to be talking about something different. Yes, he is talking about salvation, but it has to be something a little bit deeper because the church that he's talking to, the people he's addressing, already are saved. So why would he be saying, you need to get saved and that's how you do it? There's something deeper. Before we go deeper, I don't ever want to lessen the impact and, and, and the sacrifice that Christ made. I don't ever want to miss an opportunity to talk about it. We don't know who, who has not heard this before. We don't know who watching on Facebook that's never heard this before. But John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Here's what the Bible says. There was such love in the heavens. There was such love and such unity that God decided we have to have a way of pouring out our love. We have to have a way of spreading this. So he created man. He created man to be in unity and be in community with him. But God's not a dictator. So he said, all right, you have free will. You can choose to walk with me or you can choose not. And man chose to not walk with God. God, all holy, man choosing not to be holy. What that means is that we can no longer be in relationship with God because we are sinful, because we chose the wrong way. And God is up in heaven and he's thinking, oh my goodness, I just am so in love with you but I can't be near you because of the sin. And so he thinks we've got to do something. We've got to make a sacrifice. So God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. He looked at his son and he said, Jesus, you're going to have to go and this is going to hurt. And he sent Jesus and Jesus hangs on the cross. And as he's hanging on the cross, the sin of the world, every sin that had been committed that would be committed was thrown on him. All anxiety, all hurt, all disease, is thrown on him as he's hanging there. That's the most painful thing anyone's ever had to go through. Hanging there as the weight of the world is put on you. But as Jesus took it, it left us. And so then we didn't have to be separated from God anymore because we were no longer sinful. We were made the righteousness of God. And because of the sacrifice that Jesus made, we are able to be in unity and community and in love with Jesus. That is a beautiful story. The Bible calls it the gospel, the good news. I don't even know that the good news does it justice. That's the best news. It is the best news. But, again, Paul is talking to the church. Most of them already know this. And so we have to think, Paul must be talking about something deeper because these people were already saved. Here's my belief. I think you can be an unsaved, saved person. I think you can be saved and live unsaved. I think that you can believe in your heart so that you are in community with Jesus. You have made it into the gates of heaven, but you're still living like hell here unsaved, 
saved person. You can be saved and not live it out. Salvation is not just about not going to hell. Salvation is about bringing what heaven offers here and living it out here and walking it out here. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, about the process of sanctification, that we're saved body, soul, and spirit. And so the moment that we say yes in our heart and believe that Jesus is Lord and that he made a sacrifice for us, we are saved. Our soul is saved. But our body is not yet saved because we are in the process of sanctification. Sanctification means you're constantly going to be saved. You will constantly be in process. And so when Paul says you must wear the helmet of salvation, he's talking about your mind has to be saved. It's time to save your mind. And we protect our mind, and that in that way, we can save it. So your mind has to be guarded. Sometimes it feels like we're living in hell. There's things that happen, and it's just like, this is, this is literally what hell feels like. And sometimes it feels like hell is living in you. Sometimes that you just can't shake it, and you're just like, man, this is it. This is exactly what it feels like. When that's going on, you can know, okay, my helmet of salvation, something's wrong. My mind's not being protected. My mind's not being sanctified, being made pure. In this case, Paul says it's vitally important because your mind is to the soul what your brain is to the body. And so if your mind is not protected and your mind is not, is not being guarded and being sanctified, then the rest of you is not going to live out the truth. The rest of you is not going to live out the promises that God already did. So because of this, you're not wearing your helmet, addictions happen. You're not wearing your helmet, your mind's not being sanctified and protected, anxiety happens. You're not guarding your mind, worry, hurt. All of these different things happen when we forget to put on the helmet of salvation. You have to wear your helmet to guard the rest of you. I'm going to give some practicals in a minute, but before I want to, I want to back this up with some scripture. Uh, Romans chapter 5, <coughs> verse 10. For if, when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. This is what we just talked about. Jesus died, therefore we can be reconciled with God. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? See, this is the heart of the Father for us. He doesn't just want you to get into the gates of heaven. He wants heaven to be here with you. How much more can you be saved? That's what he's saying. He's saying there's so much more. And we're missing it. We're living out here, things here, earthly things here. And he's saying there's so much more. Jesus died so that you could be saved. But Jesus lives so that you can bring heaven and live it out here. How much more can we be saved by his life? Let me tell you what, Jesus wants you to be saved much more. He wants your life to look 
much more saved than it does. He wants your mind to be much more saved than it is. So we're going to talk about some practicals of how it looks like to guard your mind. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. This is where we're going to be for the rest of the day. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, <coughs> verse 3. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. We've talked about this. Our battles don't look the same as everyone else's. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have the divine power to demolish strongholds. This isn't even where we're stopping, but that right there is so powerful. The armor, the weapons we have been acquiring, we've been walking in, we've been learning about, has the power to demolish strongholds. We can look, you can read the news for five seconds and realize there are some strongholds happening in the United States of America. There are some strongholds happening in this world. And the armor that we've been putting on and that we're taking steps in walking in towards our victory, it's not just for us. We have to put on our armor for everyone around us. The armor has the power to demolish strongholds. That's not just strongholds in here. It's not just in here. It's here. We have the power to demolish strongholds. Verse 5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. It says we take captive every thought. <clears throat> So the Greek, the Greek term of captive means to make under the submission of. So that means when these thoughts are coming in your brain, when th any thought is coming in your brain, you look at it and you submit it under Christ's authority. Along four, four weeks ago, we talked about the Word of God. The Word of God meaning we base everything under it and on top of it. We run everything under its light to validate if it's true or if it's not. We do the same thing with our thoughts. We say, thoughts, you've got to get under the submission of Christ. And Christ is who has control of my mind. You must tell your thoughts that your thoughts must listen to Him. And there's a few practical steps of how we make this happen. The first one, don't believe everything you think and everything you feel. We talked about this a little bit last week, but... But the enemy says he has dominion here, which what that means is he can manipulate and do things in situations that make you think and feel certain ways. And when these thoughts and these feelings come in, we don't sit and believe everything. We run everything under the light. We run everything under the light so we can figure out what is him, what is not. Because of sin, we're going to have feelings that are not true. We're going to have feelings of anxiety. You're going to have feelings of hurt. You're going to have feelings of worry because of sin, because sin is here. But when these thoughts come in, when these ideas come in, we take the word of God, we run everything under it. We tell our thoughts, you've got to get under the submission of the authority of Christ because he is who is in charge. He is who is in charge. He's saving your mind. He is saving your mind, so we submit our thoughts to him. Don't believe everything you think and everything you feel. 
Number two, guard your mind from trash. There used to be a song. I'm not going to sing it. You're welcome. (laughs) There used to be a song that said, garbage in, garbage out. There has never been a truer song. What you put in your mind will always come out. It will always come out one way or the other. What you listen to, what you watch, what you think about, it will always come out because garbage in, garbage out. When I eat Allsup's burritos, no, I'm not going there. Y'all are are gross. When I eat Allsup's burritos, though, I know that that's not healthy for me, okay? I don't eat Allsup's burritos thinking, oh, this is a banana. I'm just going to, no, I don't do that. I eat it because they're good, okay? But I have not eaten one in almost two weeks, by the way. That's a praise report. We should have said that earlier. Thank you. But garbage in, garbage out. I know it's not healthy for me, so I know in response I'm going to gain weight. Same thing with your mind. What you put in will always affect you. The mind is to your soul what the brain is to your body. So when you put garbage in your mind, your soul will reflect garbage. This isn't even in my notes, but, but when the enemy, when Satan was an angel, you know, Satan was an angel before he fell, when he was an angel... He was the angel over music. He was the angel over music. You know what that means? He knows what he's doing with music. He knows exactly what he's doing with music. And sometimes we have to change what we're listening to. I have to do this. I'm turning on the radio, and I'm listening to some terrible things, and it's just like, no, this is bad for me. This is bad for your mind. Sometimes we have to change these things because we know that the enemy can move in. He knows what he's doing with music. Guard your mind. Garbage in. Garbage out. When you watch trash, your mind is going to produce trash. When you listen to trash, same thing. (coughs) So, number one, don't believe everything you think and you feel. Number two, guard your mind from trash. Number three, community learning. That's a weird phrase. We guard our minds by surrounding ourselves by people who are going to continue to teach us more about Christ, more about his character, more about his word. We surround ourselves by these kind of people so that our mind can be strengthened and can grow. This can look like Sunday school classes. This can look like being right here. This can look like groups. This can even look like just dinner, just having dinner with fellow believers, fellow people who love Jesus, and you can have good, healthy, wholesome conversations. Community learning. We must continue to learn so our minds can be protected. Again, we talked about last week, faith is done best when we are in community. You grow the most, and you are the most protected when you're in community. The last one. This is the hardest one. Let God think through you. I believe, genuinely believe, that God is doing things in First Christian Quana. I believe it. I believe he's doing things in us as individuals, in us as a church. I also believe there's much more. I believe that God is putting things in your mind, dreams, ideas, thoughts that can be ways to reach people, that can be ways to reach the city, reach the state. I believe that all of these different things God is putting in your mind and in my mind. And it's so easy to to just wave it off. It's so easy to be like, oh, that's impractical. No, I'm not going to go on that. 
on that mission trip to Flagstaff. I'm not, that's just impractical. I can't do that. No, I'm not going to go do, you know, whatever it is that he's speaking to you. Sometimes those little gut feelings that you're feeling, that's the Holy Spirit. And he's trying to say something to you. Don't wave it off. Let God think through you. <coughs> the Lord wants you protected. And it starts by introducing your mind to the salvation that your soul already has. Letting your mind become sanctified. Letting your mind become purified and cleansed. Because that's what he died to do. He died, yes, so he could be in community with you, but also so that you can live like heaven here. So these are just some practicals. And as we close, I just have just another thought that's coming to my mind. Something that the Bible says is that when, when the enemy fell from heaven, he took one-third of the angels with him. One-third of them went with him. That's a scary thought to think that there's one-third of fallen angels that are after you. Here's a better thought. That means there's two-thirds that are fighting for you. Okay? You're not doing this alone. This has been a, we've talked about a lot of different things, a lot of different mind changes, heart changes, different steps we have to be taking to, to wear the armor of God, but you're not alone. You have two-thirds of heaven fighting for you. The angels that fell, yeah, they are fighting against you. But there's two-thirds that didn't fall that are fighting for you. And the Bible says in Exodus that God looks at Moses and he says, hey, I'm fighting your battles for you. All you have to do is be still. Sometimes we just got to be still. And our hearts have to know. You know, the Bible says, be still and know that he's God. When we're still, we know that he's God. We know he's fighting for us. You're not fighting this alone. <coughs> so my challenge for you this week, take your thoughts captive. When thoughts come in your mind, thought temptations, when they, when they come in your mind, when worry, when anxiety, when it comes in, Take them captive. Remember these practical steps. Spend time with the Lord this week. Tell Him you want your mind to be sanctified. We can't let the enemy win. And we have the tools and the ability to have victory. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you so much. We love you so much. And we're so thankful for the way that you fight for us. We're so thankful that heaven is fighting for us. That even though this is hard, even though that, that life here sometimes is hard, we know that you're fighting for us. We know that you're, you're actively doing things on our behalf. God, I pray this week, this week, that we will be challenged to take our thoughts captive. We thank you for your grace for when we fail. We thank you for your faithfulness always. In Jesus' name. Amen.